This podcast has a Patreon page. Several wonderful people have signed up to support this endeavor. They are Sean Poole, Dave and Jennifer Evers, Jeff Omar, my John Hyatt sister Sylvan, Liz Brunson, Yetta, Steve Vansack, Randy Brown, Rob Barnett, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Steve Rogers, aka Captain America, Chris Bloom, Dale Hosack, Music Talks Terry Smith, and Mary Thomas. I appreciate all the love and support from these wonderful friends. If you want to support the podcast and get unedited episodes, often in video, occasional posts from me about a wide range of subjects, a thank you on at least one episode a month, plus a handwritten thank you note that includes set listing through stickers, then please go to patreon.com set lusting bruce that's right go to patreon.com slash set lusting bruce and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month now on with the show i had the harry potter books okay and i would read like a chapter a night to get my daughter to sleep because it was for a while it was you know some kids fight sleep more than others you know what I mean sure and at one point I had found this little monkey doll and I was Ikea or no Bed Bath and Beyond or one of those stores and my daughter wouldn't let me leave without buying the little monkey so I bought it for her but after a while, she didn't want to hear Harry Potter. She wanted to hear the monkey stories. And so I started telling the stories. And it was a great stress reliever. Nursing school is not for the faint of heart. Nursing school is hard. And I was really stressed out. Um, but those stories, they just made me feel they made me feel better. It like relieved a lot of stress. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though he will come up as he normally does. We are talking to Ryder, and as she said, a casual Springsteen fan, and we've already got way too political before I hit record. So you guys were spared that. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us a little about yourself. So I'm an, a 
a hybrid genre fluid author. I had a set of children's books published uh, a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, they're not in publication anymore. However, it's the character Turtle Monkey. She's trying to come back in another venue. So we're going to see what's happening with that. I also have some other works. I have a book about COVID coming out. It's fiction. It's the sequel to Gods of the Bay, which is basically women's fiction and magical realism. Every time I try to write horror, it turns into something else. And it's really, it's really sad, but there you go. So I saw your statement, genre fluid. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means to you. I read it as one way, but I want to hear what you think that means. Um, it means that I write in more than just children's books or a young adult or just for women. I'm not trying to be all things to all people, but I dabble in different genres. I'm actually writing a short story that's actually sci-fi, which is some, uh, which was a place that I was afraid to tread because I'm like, this isn't me. And Mm -hmm. then... I was talking with award-winning author, Jonathan Mayberry. Sometimes like he has classes and stuff. Like I I met him on Zoom during the pandemic. He's a great guy. And his advice to me was to go out of your comfort zone. And I feel like I can't really be genre fluid unless I actually do go out of my comfort zone and write more things. And I find that I'm really enjoying really enjoying that so i cannot believe i'm telling this story again so listeners if you don't want to hear the tom story skip ahead a couple of minutes i've told this multiple times but it keeps coming up so tom zoller is a wonderful friend of mine he is an artist he's published he's published his own comics he's worked for other comic companies he's probably best known for love and cape which is a superhero situation comedy comic And so I was at Houston and he had come down from Ohio for free comic book day and free comic book for they, for those don't know is when the industry publishers publish comics at a very cheap rate and comic stores can buy them at a discounted rate and then give them away. And the whole idea is to try to get a new generation of readers, right? So Tom's there and he's doing sketches. And he's signing books if anyone gets a, wants to buy one of his books. And a lot of kids came up because it's free comic book day. And their parents will go, he or she loves to draw. She wants to be an artist. Here, show him. And they're a little embarrassed. But Tom told them all the same thing. He said, I know you're going to take art classes. But. I've got three pieces of advice. Take a take an accounting course because you're going to have to figure out what to charge. How much do, what's your markup? If you're going to do a Kickstarter, are you going to have all your expenses covered? So you need to be able to handle your money. Two, take a speech class. You're going to have to do like I am right now. I'm talking to people. You're either going to have to present your work to someone You're going to have to talk to them why they should hire you, or if they're coming to you, you need to be able to communicate your image and the vision. 
And three, spend an hour a day drawing stuff you don't like to draw. Because, he says, I will give you an example. It's easy to draw the stuff you love. But if you spend an hour a day drawing what you don't drive, for example, and this is Tom talking, I did not draw drawing horses. I now draw my little pony. Because <laughs> that was the gig I got. And I've told that to multiple people in the creative business because it really makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, Joe? Yes. I remember a podcast I did and I had, I don't want to say it's a panic attack, but I had a meltdown and I was like, I can't do this. And it's weird because in my other life, I work in public health and I talk to people and you have to talk to people and you have to be able to explain things to them on their level. And yeah, I you have to keep doing things that you're not comfortable with to be successful. I remember someone saying to someone, it was advice about someone wanting to be a real, a quote unquote, real writer. And this was years ago before this with the internet and self-publishing and you can be an independent musician writer. Now you don't have to go to the big, publishers but at the time it was still more traditional and they said stop writing fan fiction fan fiction is fun it's easy you enjoy it people are going to tell you they love it and it's it is empty calories if you're going to spend the time writing write something unique write something and i thought about that because it would be easy. Let's talk about singer-songwriters, right? You could do a gig of all covers, and you could pick the right covers that people will love. But if you aren't, if you aren't putting your own voice out there, if you aren't putting your own thoughts, that's the purpose of being creative, isn't it, Joe? Yes. I also I had advice. I was met an editor through Jonathan, and their advice was write what scares you. And it doesn't, that doesn't mean write horror, but write what scares you. And for me, like writing sci-fi, that was scary. And I feel like if you're creative and you push the boundaries, I know that sounds really cliche, but it is a hundred percent true to grow as an artist. You have to tread, you have to go where you fear. If you don't want to do a podcast, but you need to you need to get your brand out there. You just have to push through it. And it gets easier. And F, and I think when people do that, I feel like they the challenge of it when you've risen to the occasion, it actually feels good. There's some kind of payoff for it. Yeah, I think so, Joe. I- I think that's a big feeling. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
or even if you have but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good well now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, I want to go back. I always like to start at the beginning. So tell us about where you grew up. And we're going to do this in two phrases. Okay. The first part is what kind of music was being played in the house? Where What kind of music were your parents listening to? What were you listening to as a youngster? And then I'll get to my second half. Okay, there was a lot. Okay. It wasn't just one thing. My parents were first generation, so they had a lot of Italian music on that I did not pay attention to as a kid because when you're a kid, you want to be cool. Um, and there was a lot, there was some opera, some classical music. And then my brothers where there's like a generation in between me and my brothers, mm -hmm. they were like late end boomers and I'm Gen X. And so like a lot of my back, the background music of my life when I was younger was like, Hard rock, Bruce was a big part of that, especially a lot of the music came just from the radio because if you had something was an eight track tape and you only heard that in the car and when we had radios to bring over to the beach because I, I grew up on Long Island and went to Fire Island a lot with my brothers, you would hear Bruce on the radio. I think the one I remember the most was Born to Run. Yeah. A lot of that, that, and then some of the later eighties ones I'm trying to think hungry heart. There was like another one, but no glory days, I think is older. See, I'm casual. You can tell right no, away. That's okay. Like, I don't remember so, when it came out. No, are you the youngest? <laughs> yes, I am. A common theme here, Joe, is that siblings play a huge part in in music when my guests are telling the stories often their parents do have part of it but if you have siblings mm -hmm. they either influenced you or you sometimes rebel if your older siblings were into classic rock you may choose punk that's funny so the other half of the question i always like to ask writers were you was it a house of readers did people read in the house? I was the biggest reader. Okay. I have a picture as a kid. I fell asleep reading a book at night and there was like the book on my face. <laughs> my face. Um, 
my dad would read the paper. My mom really liked music and gardening. And my brothers were like gearheads. So like okay. they liked music, but they built things. They can hear a car down the street and tell you what's wrong with that. Cause my dad yeah. had a garage. So mm -hmm. it was, they were more hands-on building things. So I was the reader. Did, was that something always that you just loved? Is there anything specific that led to it or you just always was someone when I began reading I struggled and I struggled for a couple years until third grade where I think things just clicked and I learned to read and learned that you had to read to learn going forward you know what I mean because third grade yeah. is a really big grade for for kids Third and fourth grade is the first year, at least as a parent, that the teachers say, yeah, your kid's really cute and nice, but he's not cutting it. <laughs> Up until that, it's, oh, he's so nice, and he's a pleasure to be in your class, and I'm like, yeah, he's a good kid, but he ain't he ain't cutting it. <laughs> what? Yeah the, yeah, the first couple of years, they're learning to read, and then they yeah. read to learn, and that's usually when they get... I used to work in the schools as a school okay. nurse, so I know that's where we find when students maybe got by in the lower levels, the lower grades that when you have to be able to read to learn, that's when they pick up a lot of the deficits or mm. if somebody's like a preemie, they have a higher chance of having like maybe ADHD or some learning disabilities. And that's usually when they catch it. Yeah. So as you're learning to read, and it sounds like you'd love to learn. Did you know you wanted to be creative? Did you have stories in your mind, Joe? I always liked to write. Okay. I think once once I had a better grasp of language, of reading, that's when I wanted to write stories. And uh, believe it or not, English, even through high school, was my favorite subject. Okay. And when did you start making stories? When did you start writing? I wrote a lot of stories... I, I did a lot more poetry when I was in okay. high school, but I did a lot. I wrote a lot of stories for English class. I stopped for a while, but what happened was I was in nursing school. I was a single mom with my daughter and I had the Harry Potter books Okay, and I would read like a chapter a night to get my daughter to sleep. Because it was for a while, it was, you know, some kids fight sleep more than others. You know what I mean? Sure. And at one point I had found this little monkey doll and I was Ikea or no, Bed Bath and Beyond or one of those stores. And my daughter wouldn't let me leave without buying the little monkey. So I bought it for her. And after a while, she didn't want to hear Harry Potter. She wanted to hear the monkey stories. And so I started telling the stories. And 
it was a great stress reliever. Nursing school is not for the faint of heart. Nursing school is hard. And I was really stressed out. Um, but those stories, they just made me feel, they made me feel better. It like relieved a lot of stress. And so I started writing the stories and eventually there was a local publisher. I, a friend of a friend said, submit it there. And we, there was four books that actually published, but a lot, I've learned a lot from that venture. Mm -hmm. People liked it, but they either wanted chapter books or picture books, like not the easy readers, the ones that, you know, the books that bridge in between to help kiddos read. But I still, that is one of my favorite characters because she's still alive and vibrant in my mind. And always, if I'm having a stressful day, I can go back and write a story. Do, did you do the voices when you were telling the stories? <laughs> To your daughter? <laughs> There's only one. I haven't developed the voices okay. uh, further. Like, hooray! That's like the monkey. Like, okay. hey, monkey! Yeah. Um, and I have special needs animals, and sometimes I talk to them in that voice because one is cognitively challenged, the other one's blind. And mm -hmm. they like that high pitch because they're sure. cats. And yeah, so I still sometimes do the voices, but I haven't really developed them mm -hmm. as much maybe as I should have. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I just was curious. Some people have a knack for voices and some people don't. Like I don't. I I, I have a couple of things that just family-wise will do. I'm not someone who has that mimic or something. <laughs> I can't even do a good accent. Um, So you, did you finish nursing school? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been a nurse and I've been a nurse for a long time. I was an LPN for a long time. And then I went back to do my RN mm -hmm. and that's, that was difficult. All total, I would say I've been a, a, in nursing for 18 years. Wow. Yeah. How I'll ask a dumb question. How did you get through COVID and all that stress? <sighs> I was with the kids yeah. and actually I went back. I worked, it was wild. Okay. I worked three days a week in the school. So one, one school a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I ended up being like the team lead on the weekend, the nurse for the COVID hotline for okay. our County. We would report cases to the health department and yeah. I would tell parents and families and principals okay this is this is the guidelines now it felt every week the guidelines were changing it was insane I practiced cautiously and people I guess in Denver people were very open to that yeah I have to give my families and my coworkers a lot of credit for doing the right thing it's helpful when you know, you're not fighting it. And it was, it did take a toll on the students, but we could have lost a lot more people here. I feel like, um, I don't remember the exact numbers. I'd have to look it up, 
we we did have a hefty death toll, but it feels like it was a lot less than most other places. Yeah. Are you still in schools? Are you still yes. working at school? That's good. You just yeah. like, for those of you who aren't seeing this on video, Joe's face just lit up like a hundred watts. You must love the kids. Yes. I was I I left for a year, but I think it was just stress from COVID. Sure. And we had a management change that wasn't great, but then again, the management changed again, so I came back. And yeah. I've done womb to tomb nursing, but I miss, I like mm -hmm. the kids. That's the one, I guess, specialty in nursing where it's about life and not people always being sick or yeah. people dying or always having an emergency. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've called the ambulances plenty of times, but sure. it's usually always a really good outcome. That's good. That's nice. Yeah, yeah I, I love seeing that joy in your face. That's great. You've done your, you had done your children's book series and tell me the hero again. Turtle monkey. Turtle monkey. I love that. <laughs> and they're no longer in print, but you are, that's on the list of things you want to do. I take it. Yes. Right now I was trying to do a Kindle Bella project with it because yeah. I, I even I've done my own version of art I don't draw great but it's felt mm -hmm. and foam art so it's mixed yeah. media and I've actually had feedback where it's really cute mm -hmm. um I have a little sample book up um on Amazon um and it's also translated in Spanish because I have and associates in Spanish. I had to learn to speak Spanish, at least at, a, at an intermediate level, because a lot of my students are in newcomers. Okay. And to understand what they needed, what was hurting, I had to know. I had to learn Spanish. So this is helping me improve my skill. And also, more people can read Turtle Monkey if they like, because Spanish and English there's a lot of people that speak those languages and mm -hmm. there's a lot of bilingual folks in my community as well. Okay. I'm going to say this and I'm going to try not to, I'm trying to be funny, not condescending. Uh -huh. You can shut me up is, but you decided to do a grown up book. Tell me about that. That grown up book was like a love letter to my hometown. Okay, tell me about that. It's hard for me to put into words. I was trying to write, because I always, I don't know, I I love the ocean, but I have a healthy respect for it. And there's always that fear. And I think it's universal of what's under the water that you can't see. Right. Right. And I, I tried to approach it that way, but it turned into something more where the background this the setting of fire island and long island actually became a part of like a character because i've gone back i've i left in 98 and i i traveled around and i finally settled in colorado in 2007 
And it was just really strange because I, you go home and they tell you, you can't go home again. It just feels the land change and everything was dressed. I remember having honeysuckle, there were blackberry bushes, like there was nature everywhere. And then when I, I went back a few years ago and it's all gone. Everything is lawns. Everything I remembered as a kid, like all the magic, like the nature is gone. And, and I wove in a little bit of my, how do we say it? My concern for the environment, because okay. it's just not the same. Even Davis Park has changed. So what was this first book that was a tribute to your hometown? Bring it back Gods to of... Bruce. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Gods of uh, Bay. Gods of the Bay. That Gods was the first one. That was the nice. first one. Yeah. Uh, and I had actually some of Bruce's song, songs playing when I was editing it. Um, I have a hard time writing when there's when I'm listening to stuff with lyrics. And I think it's just because I'm like squirrel. And you can probably no. tell in this podcast. And I apologize for that. But I did a lot. Glory Days, Hungry Heart, Dancing in the Dark. And that's a good one. And it's anytime that song is on, I always listen to it. It was my mom was not like a rock and roll kind of person. Like she, maybe okay. she liked Elvis. That was it. Okay. That song came on. Like she loved that song. And we used to tease her because she used to call it this guns for hire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Instead of> like, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and so every time it's on there, like in my mind, it's like this guns for hire because we used to tease her all the time and she would never remember the real name of the song. And that kind of helped bring back some of the memories. Of, That's like, awesome. When I was writing about, yeah, when I was writing about the past and Long Island, and Fire yeah. Island and um, Sunken Forest and stuff like that. Yeah. You mentioned that sometimes that creativity and music goes together. Now, I am similar to you. There is there are sometimes I can listen to music or a podcast while I'm working and other times I can't. If I'm working on, I remember once I had to do a bunch of performance appraisals, right? And so I just had music on in the background just to keep everything out. And I was just almost passionate, passively listening to it at background noise. But often, and I've had other writers share that some of them love it. They just, that gets them in the mood and others say, no, it's got to be instrumentals. It's got to be something without lyrics to be the tone of the music can help feel the creativity. But if you have lyrics, it can distract you. That story. Yes. Is that similar what you're saying? A hundred percent, which is why um, I only listen to instrumental when I'm writing because I squirrel yeah. and I feel like I just can't get a lot done but thank you know i'm i'm so thankful for youtube because it has a a, a great assortment of instrumental stuff and i'm not talking elevator music like maybe yeah. younger people might think there's some dark instrumental music out there um i was listening to one when um i was I'm almost finished with that story anyway. Like the sci-fi story I was talking about 
to yeah. you about in the beginning of the podcast. It helps draw out some of those darker thoughts, maybe, or things that are more mm -hmm. appropriate to the story. It helps me focus. Do you like, do you find short stories or novels, which do you find more satisfying or it just truly depends on the story you're trying to tell? I think it depends a hundred percent on the story mm -hmm. because I really loved Gods of the Bay, but it was challenging. That was the first book that that was the first novel length work I had completed on my own. Yeah. But Turtle Monkey, anything with that, especially if I'm in a very stressed out place. Yeah. That helps bring me out of a funk or I can at least do some of the art because it's fun and it's, it's positive. There's not negative feelings. Like, yes, like she always gets into trouble. I, as a kid in third grade, I was out in the hall with my desk a lot because I talked a lot. Okay. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was my teacher's classroom management. Like they would get in so much trouble nowadays to do that. Guess who's out in the hall? Turtle monkey. And it makes me laugh because I'm like, oh yeah, I remember the teacher got mad at me for talking. So I'm out in the hall. Uh <laughs> do you talked about trying to do something that's hard. What, what do you, what have you not done that you want to? What else is on that creative list that you might want to itch? I think I want to do a sci-fi book, like a, 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 a novel length work versus okay. a short story. But I think short stories for me anyway, if I successfully complete a story, then I feel that I can do a, a better work. Okay. Um, I also want to try to expand into having my work in magazines like Asimov's or Clark's, Clark's World. Yeah. And these are things that I, I enjoy those. I enjoy those magazines. <laughs> So one of the things you seem to be pretty proud of is you're very active with fellow writers, mm -hmm. the Colorado Authors League I saw on your website. Talk to me about what, why you like being in that community. I, it, it feels like Colorado and maybe this is just because I've lived here for so long, you can toss a stone and there's another writer. Like I have another writer, um, he passed away. He lived next door. And then down the street, there's another writer. And I feel like in Colorado, a lot of the writers in general are very supportive of each other. It's not a competition. Yeah. And it's nice to get feedback that's not to say that there's not some negative people there, but for the most part, it's a very supportive community. And we're always trying to, if, if I hear of something, events, and they want authors, I spread the word and people reciprocate. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have a few friends and say, hey, take a look at this. What do you think? I'm struggling. 
and getting some genuine feedback. Mm -hmm. You talked about your first novel. You've talked to me about some of your later material. What sell yourself a little bit there, Joe, talk a little bit about it. Give me your, your elevator pitch about the latest books. I always struggle with elevator pitches. I get you. And I think for me too, like women are taught, don't say that you're, bra you're bragging and people are going to get annoyed yeah. with you. I had honorable mention, like I would, with Gaza the Bay, I was at least a finalist in the Colorado Authors League okay. awards. And that's a big deal because sure. that's from other authors. It's, yeah. And that's my first yeah. work. I'm trying to hopefully have the magic from that book transition into the second book, how that character and the family deals with COVID mm -hmm. in Colorado. And I know maybe some people are like, I'm sick of COVID, but I feel like it's really important because it's one of the things I feel like public health, I don't think people, I don't think a lot of people think about public health on the everyday. Sure. And COVID made that a bigger deal. I just don't want to see like public health I guess shunted to the background again mm -hmm. because it's important to keep our communities healthy. And we weren't going to get political, and I promise <laughs> I won't stay too much. But there was a war, and I'm mute, that's my words, not yours, against science. Yeah. And against following advice. I I don't understand that people and I, boy, I'm generalizing. And so if you guys don't want to hear Jesse rant, kick ahead five minutes. But there will be people that would believe a random stranger on the internet instead of their family doctor. Right? It's in the idea that it, it became political. And I've had a friend on the podcast that said, poor Bella, I love her. She goes, I didn't think I would live to see two presidents screw up a pandemic <laughs> talking about reagan and aids and yeah. he that should not be named and COVID, right and it just it should not have been political it just shouldn't have been it's okay this is what we need to do let's do for it go and they're still i am amazed when i see someone wearing a mask doesn't bother me that's fine but you'll see people, why? You don't have to wear one anymore. If they want to wear a mask, let them wear a mask. What do we care? Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand it, but I was doing a little research. I still yeah. have to do more. Yeah. They had some of that in the 1918 flu, but yeah. I feel like it was amplified yeah, for COVID. Yeah, and social right. media, right? It just, it's yeah. there. Yeah. The latest book, Rise of the Green Temple, uh -huh. it is of the genre fluid. Where would you put this one? Okay, so that one, it's actually the third. Okay. I, I decided to have some fun okay. and write a fantasy story about a druid. It's like 
bisexual Indiana Jones if he was okay. a Jew. <laughs> okay. So the, the main character relies on his luck a lot and really doesn't think. And he's he's young, so he's impulsive. That's like on brand for that age. And it they're fighting a, a monster or they're fighting something that wants to control everything. And he doesn't really know what he's doing. He makes a lot of mistakes because I feel like a, a lot of the books I've read in this genre, it's like, they only make one or two mistakes in the book. And I'm like, that's not yeah. real life. That's not yeah. real life. And they're young. Yeah. You have you have your older mentor, but you're still you're still trying to figure things out. It's not gonna be perfect. You're gonna have to backtrack several times. And I I tried to make that like a realistic uh journey for someone that's like young adult and yeah. learning through some very painful events. So what are the three books of the trilogy? So the first one's Brotherhood of Blood, City of the Dreaded God, and Rise of the Green Temple. Okay. And similar cast, characters, same hero? Yes, same hero, same characters. Uh, the hero loses at least a couple of very important people to him. Okay. Yeah. And did... Was it, did you like having a bigger playground to play in? This character in particular, Jericho, is the main character. And he, I had to rein him in a bit. It's nice. But yeah, there, there are, I think when you're writing and then you're editing and revising, this character wanted to go into places that I wasn't sure maybe he should go into for... Yeah. A young adult kind of book if that makes sense sure and i love when writers talk about that i told the story multiple times but i was at a book signing here in dallas with lawrence block years ago and he was promoting one of the matthew scudder mystery novels and he went to ask he took questions and i asked him and I, I can't remember which book now, but it, there is a book where the main character is has a secret from the female lead, Elaine, and he's actually having an affair. And at the end of the book, she says, I love you, Matthew, and I love you completely, and you're giving me everything I could possibly want, and I don't need anything from you. And so I asked Lawrence, I said, Mr. Block, to me, that means Elaine knows he's having an affair, but she doesn't care. And he goes, I think so too. <laughs> or it could be she just, because she knows men, thinks there could be something else. She goes, so I'm still, I don't know yet what Elaine knows. And I love that, that the character had their own voice with him. Right. Not I haven't decided yet. And I left it open so that I could have fun with the writing. It's truly the character hasn't told me yet. And that's there's a beauty to that, I think. Yes, sometimes I'll be writing. This happens a lot more with Turtle Monkey because 
I started writing her in 2012. Okay. And I'll be honest, some of the things she does, I do take from real life. Sure, of course. I have a very interesting child and I love her to death, but yeah. And also at work, kids just, I don't know. I think by osmosis, I take some of that creativity. Yeah. And Turtle Monkey does something and I'm like, oh my God, that's great. And I would never think in my adult mind that it would come out and maybe, maybe it's just that they're talking to my inner child. Yeah. But yeah, the characters, I like to say they quicken. Like when I feel connected, Turtle Monkey is the one that I connect with the most. And all of a sudden I'll have a story, like I'll see a phrase or I'll write down something of thought and then somebody says maybe something like for example I had a friend that was like oh I'm afraid of grasshoppers and I went to visit my parents grave and I had the windows up in my car and they started jumping in and I was like that's why turtle monkey went to the beach because she's afraid of them and they're not at the beach and she wouldn't leave her house and a whole story came out of somebody just telling me like I'm afraid of grasshoppers and they got in my car. <laughs> the Stephen King makes the joke, where do you get your ideas? And he goes, I get, keep them from a box underneath the bed or something. And I think Neil Gaiman is the one that said, they're just everywhere. Just they're out there and, and it, you, it's hard to turn it off. And I think really creative people have that where it just, it drives them and you get those ideas. It's having the discipline to sit down and do the work to tell the story. And I always say, I always say, oh, when I wake up and I have a good idea and I'm going to write it down, but half the time I wake up at five in the morning, I have to use the restroom and it's on a weekend when I get yeah. up early enough as it is during the week and I'm like, I'll just write this down and wake up. I'll remember it. And it's totally gone. And that's one of the biggest frustrations in my life is that yeah. I don't stay up to write it. Like with turtle monkey, there's so many uh-huh. that isn't too difficult, but if it's like a short story and I'm like, Oh, I'll remember it. I never do. And I learned that maybe I could just take a nap or go to bed earlier because I feel like I've missed out on quite a few stories, except for the one sci-fi story. I actually, I basically, I write a little outline okay, so I know where I go with it. And I was able to stay up, write the outline. I actually was able to go back to sleep. That was such a win. <laughs> that is a win. That sounds like a great win. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Joe, what have I not asked you that I should have? How to find me? Yes, that's absolutely. Yes. I'm going to let you do the, I'm going to have you answer the Mary question. Then I'm going to let you promote away. Okay. Any other questions about stories or any stories you want to share that I forgot to ask you? No, they'll probably happen after we. All right. That sounds good. But you're always welcome back. All right. Yeah. All right. Joe, 
before I ask you the Mary question, if someone wants to hear more about you, where can they go? You can go to joefontana.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I don't really go on, I think Twitter's dying. So probably yeah. not there. So if they start charging, you won't see me post anything ever again on there. Yeah, I'm right yeah. there with you. Twitter is where I do most of my social media right now to promote the podcast and such. Like I just tweeted that you and I were talking but yeah, I'm, it's not enough. Of course, I do have a fear, and we go political again. Somebody said, yeah, but if all us blueberries leave, it'll be nothing but a big raspberry patch. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm open to it. All right, Joe, this has been so much fun. I've had a blast. But before I get you out of here, I end every podcast with the Mary question. If you are a fan of Joe's work and you're checking out this podcast. Thank you for listening. She made you all proud. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. When he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road. They would treat it as if it was a poem going over the word choices, the imagery, the themes that Bruce's explores on the song. And then he would ask his class at the end of the day, does Mary get in the car? Joe, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? <laughs> I've looked at that several times. And it reminds me of a Stephen King story. Okay. Called The Mist. Okay. Not the movie version, which I just... I despise the ending just because there's a lot of things at the ending I didn't like. Okay. But in the original book, there was ambiguity. Yes. They go out into the mist and then the story ends. It feels like that with this because he doesn't come right out and say that she gets in the car. He's trying to coax her into the car. And then yes. that, there's that line where they're talking about her dress is in rags on the street. And I'm like, is she dead? Ah, okay. Is she dead? Is he dead? And is he trying to have her cross over? Ah, okay. That was my thought. So I'm, I think maybe she was getting close to going into the car, but I don't think she get, got in yet. I think he would have to pay her a couple of more visits. All right. I like that little spooky twist. That's a great answer. I love that answer. I, there we are. Joe, this was so much fun. Thank you. I just hope you had a blast. I did. I was like, oh my God, what are we going to talk about for an hour? Because I'm really bad about talking about myself and that this was great. I'd love to come back at a later date. This was awesome. You mentioned at the beginning that doing something you're uncomfortable with and it sometimes turns out good. I would love to have you on the next time you've got a book to promote, just reach out and say, Jesse, let's visit again. Or if you think of something you want to talk about, just you see a movie you like, or you heard some music you like, let me know and we'll do this again. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks. All right. Listeners. 
Thank you for listening to us. I hope you go to our website, check out some of the books. I'm going to work on a pitch for, her. I think, a bisexual Indian Indiana Jones who's a druid is that alone. I'm sold. Let's get more of this. So, yeah, let's go check out the books. But for now, we're going to end with, if we open up our hearts, love won't forsake us. Just let the music take us and carry us home. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 